in this present societal atmosphere of relativistic messages and directives, we attempt to navigate through a relentless barrage, which at times can leave us and our families confused and outright distressed. What is one to do to maintain our sanity and garner a ray of hope, a sense of tranquility? At times it may seem like we are journeying through a desert of hopelessness or even anguish, yet up ahead we can perceive what for most others may present as a mere optical illusion, a mirage. There we stumble upon the reality of an oasis which is always waiting for all of us Catholics. It is the Blessed Sacrament. This is the fifth part of Behold the Lamb of God, a sermon series by our deacons on the Eucharistic renewal. And this Sunday, we explore the question, why is Eucharistic adoration important? The true presence of the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament for many in this 21st century is only an illusion. Most people around the globe do not believe in this reality, and it is sad to admit that even among those that confess being Catholic, many do not believe. The United States Conference of Catholic Bishops states as follows, about the Eucharist and the real presence. The whole Christ is truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Under the appearances of bread and wine, the glorified Christ who rose from the dead. Speaking to the Pharisees and unbelievers in the gospel, the Lord himself states, if you do not believe me, Believe at least my works. Perhaps all of us, upon seeing his works and upon seeing the various outcomes of his Eucharistic miracles in the last 2,000 years, might then believe in his real presence. Jesus' words in the gospel are quite clear. The bread that I will give you is my flesh. It is that same bread we have within the Catholic Church in the form of a consecrated host. In the year 1996, a host was found on the floor of a church in Buenos Aires, Argentina. This occurred when Jorge Bergoglio was Bishop of Buenos Aires. Today, Bergoglio is Pope Francis. They found the host and placed it in a glass of water so that it would dissolve, since this is the church's norm in these sorts of cases. Several days later, they noticed that the host had not yet dissolved, and instead it looked like a piece of flesh, which also displayed something like blood stains. Three years later, in 1999, Bishop Bergoglio gave the authorization to have a laboratory carry out 
a scientific analysis of the host. Therefore, a small specimen of the host was removed to send it off to a lab. The sample was shipped to a high-caliber scientific lab here in the United States. But when the specimen was sent, it was not specified at all what the nature of the sample was, nor where it had come from. In other words, they did not let the lab know that it was part of a consecrated host of the Catholic Church. Some of the findings from that lab investigation were as follows. The specimen showed that it has blood type AB positive, that the substance is a muscular fiber that is known as the myocardium, a type of muscle that is located only in the human heart. The lab investigators additionally stated as part of their analysis that the victim to whom the specimen belongs was still alive when the specimen was collected and that said victim had undergone torture. In a case prior to that, there is the eighth century miracle of the host in Lanciano, Italy in the year 716 where the host also turns into flesh and blood. Almost 1,300 years after that miracle, in 1970, a similar lab analysis was done of that particular host in a different laboratory, and the findings are the same. It is a muscle fiber of a human heart with AB positive blood type. And there are several other well-documented Eucharistic miracles. Jesus' words in the Gospel are clear. The bread that I will give you is my flesh. Jesus Christ is nourishing us today in the Eucharist of the Mass with the flesh of his own heart. Hopefully, the skeptics might also come to believe in his real presence, if only by facing these various outcomes of his Eucharistic miracles in the last two millennia. The divine Christ is in the consecrated bread. It is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ with all his power and splendor the glory and splendor in the Blessed Sacrament of the Eucharist is the very same divine presence of Christ that the three apostles experienced in Matthew's Gospel today. On the mountain, we are told that Jesus was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light, and behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, conversing with him. St. Matthew does not tell us what they were discussing, but St. Luke in his gospel does tell us that the three of them, quote, spoke of his exodus that he was going to accomplish in Jerusalem, unquote. 
Moses had been part of the initial exodus from slavery in Egypt. Apparently now, as Christ was to travel to Jerusalem one last time, Christ would be instrumental in a new exodus. Scholar and author Brant Petre helps us take a closer look at these two Exodus accounts in his book, Jesus and the Jewish Roots of the Eucharist. In Moses' exodus from Egypt, God provided the Israelites with manna, not an ordinary bread, but a miraculous bread from heaven, which the Israelites called the bread of angels. In the manna, God provided nourishment for their long journey through the desert until they got to the promised land of Jericho. Fast forward 1,500 years during the Roman Empire, Jesus is leading the Israelites through yet another exodus to liberate all of humanity, all of us, from the chains of enslavement by the evil one, to once and for all destroy the chains of all sin. This time, from Jerusalem, Jesus' exodus is by way of his own suffering and death on a cross and his eventual resurrection. Christ tells us in the Gospel that the manna of the Old Testament provided nourishment but did not save the Hebrew people from eternal death. In this last exodus, as we too journey onward with Christ in his death and resurrection, God again is providing all of us with bread from heaven, the bread of life. God is giving us the very body of his son, Jesus, to nourish each one of us as we sojourn on this earth through this valley of tears. It is food for the journey as we make our way to the new promised land of eternal life in heaven. The scholar Petre explains that for the ancient Jews, the phrase bread of the presence is derived from a Hebrew expression, lehem ha panim. However, Petra mentions that some scholars argue about this ancient expression, which when translated literally is, quote, the bread of the face, unquote. This is the same bread that was always kept in the tabernacle in the Old Testament. This was the bread of the face of God. The bread itself was a visible sign of the invisible face of God provided to the Israelites during their exodus. Since Jesus' institution of the Eucharist 20 centuries ago, the bread of life, the bread that has come down from heaven, is in every tabernacle of the Catholic Church and in every monstrance in adoration chapels. There, Jesus waits for each one of us to come visit, to kneel or sit in front of him, in his presence, face to face, and share with him all our troubles and our joys. 
There, we can quiet our minds in front of the King of Kings, where we might dare to talk less and listen more. A sacred oasis where we find rest and clarity and a supernatural sense of tranquility, hope, and love. In those moments of stillness, during meditation and contemplation, God tends to approach us in a quiet and unexpected manner. God tells us, as he told Elijah in the first book of Kings, that he is not necessarily coming to us by means of a heavy wind, an earthquake, or a fire, but that we ought to perceive his presence in a tiny whispering sound. Perhaps while we sit in his presence with our hearts fully attentive, each of us might perceive soothing words such as the ones that follow here. These words are offered anonymously as part of a meditation for when we decide to sit attentively with the blessed sacrament. In this short meditation, God's words are as follows. I speak to you from the depths of your being. Hear me say in words of peace, assuring you of my love. I speak to you in love tones, lifting you up. I live within you. Let my light shine in you. Don't dim it with worries or fears. To act in holiness is to let me live through you. Since I dwell in you, you are fully equipped to be holy. I want to inhabit all your moments, giving graces to your thoughts, your words, and your behavior.